It was a two-to-one shootout victory for the St. Louis Blues last night over the Seattle Kraken in their home opener. A fantastic crowd of 18,096. A sellout was entertained, starting with a superior pregame ceremony and then an entertaining hockey game that brought them free hockey on a Saturday night in downtown St. Louis. Overtime, then a shootout, and the Blues get their first win of the season. They have earned three out of a possible four points after two games. First two games of the year going to a shootout, and the St. Louis Blues, earning points in the first two games, now have a few days off before they play the Arizona Coyotes on Thursday. Welcome into Curbside Reaction. I'm Chris Kerber. Glad to have you tuning in to the podcast. It'll come your way in the morning after every single St. Louis Blues game with highlights, reaction, and analysis. And let's get straight to the highlights from last night's Blues victory on home ice. Left wing, McCann. Going to the far side for Everly. Terrific back check by Jordan Cairo. Blocked the puck away to the corner. Seattle one way. You mentioned it, Curbs. Great back check. 100-foot back check there for Jordan Cairo to break up that play. And then the Blues go back the other direction. Backed in behind the net. Thomas makes the play off the side of the goal. But Seattle again holds it in. Dunn shoots and scores. Biddington lunged for it. He looks immediately at the referee as if he got bumped. Bennington might have lost his stick in that process. The referees are going to talk. After coach's challenge, it has been determined that there was goaltender interference. Good. Good. Yamamoto to the blue line, straight away to Dunn. Dunn, top of the right circle. Bjornstrand waits, shoots, scores! Schwartz, a deflection. Put it inside the far corner. And just like Dallas, a scoreless period going into the second. An early goal, and the other team takes the lead. Schwartz, the power play goal, and it's a 1-0 Seattle lead. Down the Blues the other way. Three on three over the line. Thomas to Cairo. Score! Trading chances, and the Blues get the goal. Cairo's first of the year. 1-1 the score. 12-11 to go, period. Number two. Kraken clear it up, create another two-on-one. Everly in, stretching down to break up the play. Sliding play, Perico. Well, it was actually a three-on-one. He nullified not only the pass across, but then the rebound chance there. What a heck of a play there. Keep an eye on that one as this game's still one-to-one. Far wing it goes. Larson straight away. Near wing to Dunn. He shoots. Bennington got there, made the save. And it looked like his skates got caught up as he had to fall over and get the puck. Robert Thomas now in on court. Third round of the shootout in a 1-1 game in regulation. Thomas, Deeks, shoots, score! Backhand underneath the crossbar. 1-0 Blues and now a save from Bennington. On an Everly chance could win the home opener for St. Louis. Everly will be the shooter. Brings it in on Bennington. Cuts it into the middle. Everly waits. Shoots. Save Bennington. Bring out the Zamboni. It's a home opener win for the St. Louis Blues, who picked up three out of four points on the first two games of the year. Two to one, the final tonight. Well, joining us after every home game, win or lose like he does, Blues assistant coach Steve Ott jumped onto the headsets, and here was his immediate reaction right after the game. Steve Ott, kind enough to join us down at ice level. Steve, congratulations on the victory tonight. Thank you so much. Outstanding crowd on opening night, to say the least. And uh, 
really happy for the group. Uh, finally getting one on the board here and getting that two points. Before we get into the game real quick, how much do you love the cheers when they still show their appreciation for what you did as a player? Well, it sure means a lot to say the least. Uh, fans were always great to me when I was a uh, blue and now as a coach, but to be honest with you, it's just nice to have such a great support around this community. We've seen it, every single player feels it, every single coach, every trainer, it's just uh, blues mania and we love it. Hey Steve, it wasn't as pretty as hopefully you guys were trying to draw it up here tonight, but. What was the tone on the bench throughout some of those stretches where things weren't looking that good early in the game? Very positive on this bench. Guys, we're grinding through some uh, some stuff on, uh, for ourselves. Uh, we lost Bucci, obviously, early. And, you know, a very, very positive bench. A lot of energy on there, and it just paid off. I thought our third period was tremendous. We uh, three-quartered the, the life out of them at points of it and kept a lot of outside shots. Binner did a heck of a job in the first two, obviously, to keep us in this, and a uh, very deserving one. How patient did you guys have to be in overtime? Well, you know what? That was tough, especially on Cairo and Tomer. I mean, they get trapped out there for two minutes. There's nothing harder than that. Uh, obviously, one of the testaments is, is coming into good shape in a training camp and carrying on, and uh, that's one of those gutty performances where you just are stuck on the ice for that two minutes. The lungs are gone, the legs are gone, and it's just a gutty, uh, gutty you know, uh, shift to just finish it off and get the next troops out. One of the stars of the game last night was Robert Thomas. He assisted on Jordan Cairo's goal, the only goal of the game scored by the Blues, and he had the only goal of the shootout as well. That would give him that game-deciding goal, although that one doesn't show up in the stats. But Robert Thomas talked about what it's like to come over the boards and take a shootout attempt with the game on the line. My first couple times was a little nerve-wracking. It feels like you got uh, everyone in the rink just staring at you, but uh, it's an exciting chance to... To help your team get a win and uh, it's an opportunity that you love to be in. Robert, how did you have any legs after that mammoth of a shift to open up overtime? What did that feel like on the legs when Seattle just had possession for the first basically two and a half minutes? Yeah, I'm not going to lie, there, there's nothing worse than three on three not touching the puck for two minutes and they're just flying around, but uh, I mean we just held it held it tight in the, and waited for them to make a mistake and we're able to get the puck and uh, get off the ice. Robert, last one for you before we let you go. What do you like about this team just two games in so far this season? Yeah, I mean, it all starts with Benner. Benner's been unbelievable. He's keeping us in every game, and, and that's what we expect out of him. He's kind of he's that kind of player, and uh, I like our defensive game. Uh, I feel like we're, we're allowing some chances, but there's no second and third chances in the slot, and uh, that's helping Benner out a lot. In the end, a good victory for the Blues. Let's face it, all wins are good, but it did come at a cost. The big news out of the game last night, Pavel Butchnevich. He was checked into hard during the power play that the Blues had. Knocked down, did not play after that in the first period, late in the first period, and he did not return for the second and third. The team is calling it an upper body injury. Craig Berube confirming after the game that the injury is not the head. Sometimes when upper body injury is put out by the National Hockey League teams, it could mean head, could mean concussion. Craig Berube confirming that it is not a concussion and not the head, but he also said he did not know really what the injury was nor the extent, so we'll have to wait a day or two to get that update on Pavel Butchnevich. Let's hope that that is not a long-term injury or anything serious because he is a critical part of this hockey team. But the St. Louis Blues get the victory. The breakdown with Joe Vitale starts now. So the St. Louis Blues, after two games on the young season, are one and one. Both games go to a shootout. And Joe Vitale, as we start things off from a big picture standpoint, both games that we have seen so far 
have been very similar in terms of style of play from the St. Louis Blues. And one thing that is very evident early on, and when you heard from Craig Berube after camp and Steve Ott after that last uh, preseason game against Chicago, both were so happy with defensive zone coverage. They came into this season with one clear mission, clean up the defensive zone and the defensive play first, and that has been very evident. Well, they've done it for six straight periods. I mean, and talking to Steve Ott, love that segment, by the way, and I love Steve's answers, very thoughtful answers. You, you really sense how proud he is of this group. I mean, I know these are professionals, these are adults, but head coaches and assistant coaches, they can still be proud of their team, and you can just tell in the tone of Steve Odd's voice after game one versus Dallas when I caught him out outside the bus, and certainly right here tonight, he's very proud of the effort and the attitude, most importantly, of this team to the first two games of the season. Curves the, the, the offseason, the preseason, you're right. The focus has been defense. The focus has been defensive schemes, uh, systems, quadrants, when to go, when to come back, protect the middle, give up outside, give up possession at times, uh, be patient. And you know what? It's working. It certainly is working through six periods because at the end of the day, you've allowed two goals in regulation through six periods. I mean, those are incredible numbers. And I mentioned it before the Dallas game. One of the greatest things you can do by playing this scheme is you're going to have your goaltender see a lot of shots from the outside. Every now and then he's going to catch one from the middle, but the majority are coming from the outside, and he's not going to let up a lot of goals early. And when he does that, he's going to gain a little confidence, and the team's going to start winning. And that's, to me, where it all has to start. But Jordan Bennington was great. The team in front of him was even better. And when you play like that, you're going to give yourself a great chance to win some games. And what a start to the season, three out of the four possible points. That's two goals allowed by Jordan Bennington on a total of 66 shots through 130 minutes of hockey over the first two games. Okay, let's get deep into this game here, and let's start off with, first off, maybe the biggest news of it all. It's Pavel Buchnevich, an upper body injury suffered late in the first period. On the power play, takes a big hit from the Seattle Kraken defenseman. He did not come out and play. The team said upper body injury not returning. That type of thing normally may take a day or two to figure out what the result is. And so hopefully he's fine because from a 200-foot perspective, body size offensive skill and an all-around player standpoint, that is a massive amount of minutes by what could be arguably, I think, your best all-around player. Yeah, I think so. I think it's fair to say that. And to the point where even with Ryan O'Reilly last year, Craig Berube was saying this may be our best 200-foot player. That's with O'Reilly in the lineup last season. When you make a comment like that, that jumps off the page and that gets your attention. Now, of course, without O'Reilly, I think they looked for Buchnevich to be one of the best defensive forwards. And then with that Thomas and Kyrou line, one of the best offensive forwards. This is, this is a core guy. There's no question about it, and there's no other way to say it. He's one of the players you just can't lose through big stretches of the season. I put him in the category of a Falk, uh, a Kyrou, a Jordan Bennington, a Colton Pareko. I mean, those type of players, you just can't lose them for a long period of time. So you mentioned that hit by Adam Larson, and it was a boomer of a hit. Both sticks broke. It was a hard collision against a very, very big and heavy, solid defenseman, Adam Larson. The guy looks like a concrete column when you see him off the ice as well. So you saw Pavel Buchnevich. We didn't see him much after that. And then, of course, we're going to wait over the next couple days. But, Curbs, this is going to be an opportunity now for Nikita Alexandrov, who I think had a pretty good camp uh, if Buchnevich cannot go on Thursday. But the good news, too, maybe it's one of those minor injuries and you do have a good gap in the schedule right now where you're not playing a back-to-back -back or you're not playing on a Monday evening. I mean, you've got a good handful of four days here fully to rest. So if it is anything kind of small, 
Maybe and maybe and it's possible to see Pavel Buchnevich back here on home ice versus Arizona Coyotes. There will be a lot of scrutiny on Jordan Cairo uh, each and every game. Deservedly so. It is the next step of progression into the National Hockey League uh, world of top players or stardom when you sign a big contract, but also when you are a team's leading scorer over a couple of years. He's not only scored the goal, but had one of his best games defensively. Tracked back a few times, knocked some pucks down, was uh, making plays back in his own end. This was a very solid game for Jordan Cairo. It was, and this is the game you want to have for a leading goal scorer, not just because you get the goal, but you know the old saying of hockey is when you do things and you take care of things defensively, it always will transpire to positive things happening offensively. Work back in your own zone, it's going to pay you back later in the game. And I think that that was the case for Jordan in tonight's game. Multiple good back checks. One, he broke up on a backdoor play early in the game that could have cost the Blues, and maybe Seattle goes up one nothing a lot sooner, and you never know how the game will spin at that point. But he's tracking back, he's working back, his sticks are in good lanes, and I think that line as a whole, I know the scoring hasn't been extremely explosive through the first six periods, but defensively they are playing very sound. And when you do that, and you have your chances. You didn't, you're not going to have many playing this style, but you better take full advantage of the chances you have. And, you know, Curbs, you go back to that wonderful goal we saw by Jordan Cairo. It was a great back check. And then on the second period, coming up the ice, on the outside, he cuts to the middle, moves it to Thomas, and then right away, like a goal scorer does, as soon as he releases that pass, he expects it, he demands it, he wants it right back. His, his feet were set right between the circles, and it was an absolute laser of a shot. From start to finish, started in the D zone, Great separation, great poke check, off to the races, and creates a great play in the offensive zone. I mean, that's hockey. That is how the maturity level and the maturity um, ascend, I would say, for Jordan Cairo has to look like. Continue to take care of your own zone, and it will pay you back, certainly the way it did here tonight. Okay, the power play so far through the young season. The Blues had four chances again. They have now gone 0 for 4 on the power play in each of the two games. So you're talking about eight full minutes of power play time tonight. Tacked on to what was 4.48 of power play time in the last game. 12 minutes and 48 seconds of total power play time. Has not really been a threat in any one of those power plays for the most part. And only two total shots on goal. Well, we, we talked about the good. We talked about Jordan Bennington. We talked about defensively this team looks completely different than last year. We mentioned... Jordan, Cairo, I mean, so many positives that we've talked about. Now let's talk about the negative, the yuckiness. That, I mean, that power play is yucky right now. I think just to be completely honest, I think the players would be the first ones to say it. That is just something that is not working at this moment. A lot of new personnel. You got Kevin Hayes. You got Yakub Verana. You don't no longer have a Ryan O'Reilly. There's no Ivan Barbashev, you know, which I think we need to kind of dig into more as far as the team transitioning from year to year. No Ivan Barbashev is yeah. maybe in some ways worse than losing Ryan O'Reilly for what that guy did for this team. It's amazing to say that, but it's accurate. Including including being on the power play, how good he was on that power play. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, I mean, a franchise player, a franchise goal scorer, uh, one of the best ever wear a Blues uniform. This is another year without him, so you got to keep in mind there is some different personnel things. They're right. trying to work through it. Uh, you can tell that the uh, the mindset is there. They're looking for back doors and high tips, and this is going to be a system that maybe just takes a few more games. But it would not shock me one bit if we see an Arizona game and we see a Blues team against those Coyotes with a much, much simpler approach and maybe even put 2D out there and you just fire shots with lots of net from presence with Kevin Hayes and Oscar Sundquist. I think you have to start somewhere. You have to build. And what's what we've seen over the last two games just certainly is not working. 
All right, uh, final thoughts on tonight's game? You know what? I was just incredibly um, impressed by the home crowd and the way the Blues stuck with it. It just reminds you of the 19 team a little bit, or even the teams from a couple years ago were not necessarily playing their best, but they're hanging in. You're trusting your goaltender to make plenty of saves, and you're right there to the very end. Um, and I think the comment by Steve Ott, which I was interested to hear, was what was the bench like through the first two periods mm -hmm. when it was not looking like it was your game? And, and his comments were great. He said Joe was super, super positive. This has not been a team through those stretches that I would say it's been extremely, extremely positive. You know, you had Mike Van Ryan, who was a, a very up-tempo, high-energy coach. You had a lot of players that I think were a little more emotional, you know, with kicking the boards and, you know, guys that have been around a long time. And so for him to make those comments that it was a positive bench, even though through the first 40 minutes they got severely outplayed in stretches, uh, to me was a great positive. And to me it's a sign that this team is really pulling together. Sorry, one more. We do have to touch on overtime. The Seattle Kraken won the one face-off in overtime. You literally went five minutes mm -hmm. of constant play. Seattle had the puck on their stick for five, basically four and a half minutes of that. The Blues got the puck a couple times real quick. The amazing part about that is both teams had two shots on goal in overtime, and that first shift of Thomas, Cairo, and Justin Falk proved to be enormous. Well, I tell you one thing. It's going to be interesting to see what the league does. I wonder if the general managers and the players look to do something a little bit different in overtime. When overtime started three-on-three, three, remember how exciting it was? It was right. just bang, bang, back and forth, breakaways, two-on-ones. You don't see that style anymore because the coaches and, and teams are obviously getting smarter, and they're feeling like, well, Let's not go chance for chance. Let's, if we win the faceoff, let's hold on to it and just wear the other team out and make sure you keep the puck close to the offensive zone to, so you don't allow the other team to change. And that's exactly what Seattle did, and it almost worked. Remember that save that Bennington had to made on Larson? Right there in overtime it was a great pass from Burakovsky behind the net, and that was about four and a half minutes into overtime, so it almost rope doped the Blues down where Seattle could take advantage. But the bend-don't-break um, method in overtimes, you're not only going to see it with St. Louis, you're going to see it across the board for whoever doesn't have puck possession overtime because that is what teams are starting to do. I don't necessarily love it. I don't think it's quite as exciting as we've seen in, in the previous years, so I wonder what they're going to do, if you can do anything about that moving forward. But that's how the game's evolving. It's how you're being played, which gets back to the original point of face-offs are just so incredibly yep. important. We talked about it. They lost that opening draw, and they didn't get possession for about two and a half to three minutes in. Well... One change the league made when it came to overtime is when it came to deciding tiebreakers for a long time, the tiebreakers were decided with the first tiebreaker was a combination of regulation and overtime wins, which is why that row column mm -hmm. is in the standings. It's an important column. Okay. But a couple, two years ago, they changed it now to where the first tiebreaker is regulation wins. So there really isn't a difference anymore between an overtime win or a shootout win. So if a team doesn't feel like they're getting yeah. those chances, you dangle and wait. You eventually go to, to the shootout and, and take your chances on that. They took away almost the important. It used to be where getting that win in a shoot in, a, in overtime could be the difference in winning a tiebreaker mm -hmm. and potentially a playoff spot or home ice advantage. That doesn't matter anymore. You know, I wonder if that little tweak maybe potentially change some things. All right, uh, Bud Light three stars of the game tonight, and your Joe Vitale. Work boots, which you haven't worn yet. This I haven't worn them yet. There were three here tonight. I'm going to give a little love to the those former are some Blue. Those nice uh, Mickey Mouse socks, though. You like them? My kids picked those out for my birthday. Did you get them from Disney World? No, they picked I don't know. They got them from Amazon. Where do you get everything these days? 
Amazon? Amazon. Yeah. Nice. All right. <laughs> Number three, Jaden Schwartz, the former blue. A little kudos to him. Great goal. His first goal since exiting against the yep. St. Louis Blues. Number two here tonight, Robert Thomas. Number one, without question, Jordan Bennington. I'm going to go with Torpchenko for the work boots. I thought he played physical. He was driving the net. He really subbed in well in that number 10, Braden Shen line. So, Torpchenko, you're going to get a few of these this year, but you're going to get one tonight on the opener here in St. Louis. Uh, great win in the shootout for the St. Louis Blues team. So that leads us to the five takeaways from the game. Last night, the shootout victory over the Seattle Kraken. All right, number five. So far this season, the Blues two for two in two games on coaches' challenges. And what a difference it could have made if those two challenges went the other way and the Blues had to kill a penalty. They get the offside challenge one in Dallas. Last night, it was a goaltender interference challenge. Now, it winds up being the stick of Jared McCann who ends up getting into the arm of Jordan Bennington while he was tied up with Colton Pareko. It's always a bit of an if when you challenge goaltender interference. Two keys that you have to keep in mind from a fan standpoint. This has gotten a little more clear over the last few years when a goalie interference challenge used to be a bit of a crapshoot and wondering how this was going to be decided. If goaltender contact happens outside the crease then typically you may not see it be called goaltender interference. When it happens with the goalie in the crease, it starts to swing your favor into it being goalie interference. The other big thing is if the offending player is guided into the goaltender by the defender. In this case, McCann was not pushed into the goaltender by Colton Pareko. It was McCann's stick that got Jordan Bennington, and the Blues were successful on the goaltender interference challenge, negating a goal that would have had them down one to nothing. So good news on the season. The Blues two for two in coaches' challenges. Number four, you can't talk about what's going on with the Blues in two games without looking at your goaltender. Jordan Bennington, 34 saves against the Dallas Stars, 30 saves against the Seattle Kraken. He's allowed just two goals on 66 shots, and that's going to be big because if the Blues allow shots this season, you're going to need your goaltender to be big. Jordan Bennington has been fantastic with big saves. All right, the overtime last night, frankly, a bit boring. We've seen back-to-back -back overtime games. What you're seeing trending now in the National Hockey League is a team, if they do not shoot the puck and do not pressure the play, the team running out of space will just stick candle the puck out and then bring it back in, trying to create that chance. Yep, it's part of the game. Yep, it's strategy. And yep, it could be quite boring at times as well. Keep this in mind. Overtime wins used to matter. Outside of the points you get in overtime now, the overtime wins don't matter. It used to be a combination of regulation and overtime wins decided a tiebreaker. Well, the league changed that rule, and now it's just regulation wins. And since then, you've seen teams be a lot more patient when it comes to overtime rather than pushing the issue. Could you see some rule changes down the road? Yeah, maybe if we see a lot more overtimes last, like we saw last night. The, the Seattle Kraken won the opening faceoff, and they had the puck on their stick for four and a half minutes of the five minutes. Now, the Blues got the puck quickly two different times and got shots on goal. Each team finished with two shots on goal in overtime, but it really wasn't all that thrilling of an overtime. Nonetheless, the Blues were able to withstand the pressure. Their initial trio of Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas, and Justin Falk were on the ice for more than the first two minutes of overtime. That was a grueling shift for those guys. All right, number two, face-offs. Face-offs have just been okay. Now, keep in mind, when we talk about face-offs, we're talking about the stats from the off-ice officials in the National Hockey League. 
The coaching staff keeps different numbers for faceoffs. The Blues improved to 49% in Game 1 against the Dallas Stars. Last night against the Seattle Kraken, they finished at just 40%. And that include being over 50% in the third period. Braden Shen won 4 of 7 draws. Didn't take a lot of faceoffs. He was 57%. Kevin Hayes won 8 of 11. He was 73%. But it's Robert Thomas that's going to get the majority of faceoffs for this hockey team. He was just 8 for 19 and ended up with just 42%. There were a lot of key faceoffs in the zones that the Blues did not start with the puck, and it extended some of the offensive zone time of the Seattle Kraken. Faceoff from an early trend standpoint is an early area that will need improvement for the St. Louis Blues. Finally, the number one takeaway from last night, special teams. Yeah, we could have gone a whole bunch of different ways, like focusing on the defense, sacrificing some offense, all that kind of stuff. But let's look at the special teams so far. On the good news, the Blues have been extremely disciplined through two games. The only penalty called last night was a bench minor for too many men on the ice. So from that standpoint, fantastic for the St. Louis Blues. But they did give up a power play goal with seven seconds left to go in the power play. That's when Jaden Schwartz scored the only goal for the Kraken. The Blues did not allow an even-strength goal to the Seattle Kraken last night. But it's the power play that stands out right now. The power play is 0 for 8. Now keep in mind, there's different personnel on this power play. No longer having Ryan O'Reilly. No longer having Vladimir Tarasenko. There's some Sammy Blake getting regular power play time for the first time in his career, for example. But the Blues have had 12 minutes and 48 seconds of power play time so far over the first two games, going 0 for 4 in each of the two games, and a total of only two shots on goal. They're just not getting enough shots on net, and when they are getting a chance, they're shooting the puck wide. That's something that Craig Berube and the coaching staff talked about after the game last night. Getting more shots, getting better shots, but getting them on net. Nonetheless, the Blues need a much more regular shot mentality when it comes to shooting the pucks on the power play to get the puck down low into those dirty areas and maybe find some second chances. But so far, two shots on goal in 12 minutes and 48 seconds of power play time jumps off the page big time at you through two games this season. But all in all, a terrific start for the Blues. They get the shootout win last night, first two games each going to overtime and shootouts, but the Blues come away with three out of a possible four points on the season. They've got a few days off on Thursday night. They'll take on the Arizona Coyotes, and that game comes your way from Enterprise Center at 7 o'clock. The Blues and the Coyotes. Coyotes had the Blues number last season. We'll see what happens this Thursday night. Thanks for tuning in to Curbside Reaction. It's your next morning post-game podcast every time the St. Louis Blues play with reaction, with sound from the locker room, with highlights and more. Hope you're enjoying it. Make sure you subscribe and download the podcast after each and every St. Louis Blues game. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Chris Kerber. Have a great week and we'll see you at the rink.